The following is a message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. More information about Parkview is available at www.parkviewchurch.org. Well, good morning. Great to have you all here. Uh, by the way, if you have not looked at the Press Citizen, be sure and grab one from yesterday. There's an entire article on uh, Faith Academy in there, and uh, it's just very exciting what God's God's doing. Well, what I'd like for you to do now is grab your Bible and open to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Maybe you have it on your iPhone. Uh, Just get to Psalm 23, and we are going to look at the most popular passage in the entire Bible, more than the Old Testament, more than the New Testament. Psalm 23 is the most widely read, quoted, recited passage of the entire Bible. And it's an awesome, awesome psalm. It's about the good shepherd, the Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, being our good shepherd. And it talks about the shepherd of our life providing for us, directing us, protecting us, granting us success and and security for his sheep. We began it last week, and we covered the first verse, and it goes like this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. God willing, today we're going to look at the second verse. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And Lord willing, next Sunday we're going to get the third verse, the final um, verse of this section called provision. He restores my soul. So what we're going to do this week and next week, God willing, we're going to look at three things. We're going to look first of all at the reason. Why am I here? Reason. Secondly, refresh. How can I make it through? And then thirdly, next week, we're going to look at restore. How can I start again? How can I start afresh? So the reason, why am I here? Refresh. How can I make it through? And then restoration. How can I start again? Let me pray for us, and we'll look at verse 2. God, thank you for this incredible psalm, but we need for your Holy Spirit to teach us and to transform our lives by the power of your Spirit. So we pray for that now in Jesus' name. Amen. So why am I here? Uh, We were going through evaluations uh, over the last week. Next week, we have all staff evaluations. I've gone through about a dozen already. And in one of the evaluations, one of the evaluators was saying how how stressful life is and it's so hard to balance life. And, And it really is true. There's so many things in life to balance. And you think, well, how then am I going to prioritize life? How do I focus on the very things that I need to focus on? Well, the 23rd Psalm gives us so much help in this area because the shepherd, the good shepherd, knows exactly what is most essential for a sheep to flourish. In other words, if a sheep is going to be the sheep that God wants it to be, if it's going to produce the wool it needs to produce, if it's going to gain the weight it needs to gain in order to be the food it needs to be, uh, the Lord knows that this sheep needs to lie down in green pastures. That's essential. So as God's children, we too must have the same clear focus in life to know why we are here. Ephesians 5 says this, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but you be wise. So you're going to have to make the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish. You must understand what the will of the Lord is. So Ephesians 5 is saying, don't use up your life 
on things in life that don't really matter. Make your life count. You understand what the will of the Lord is, so your life will count. And uh, so how do I live life wisely? How, if you're married or if you have a family, how can you help your family do the very same thing, live their life wisely? So for us, as we look at the 23rd Psalm, it's how then can I be a sheep who's uh, laying down in green pastures? So what I did is I looked at that passage and I thought, what are some of the key questions that we have to grapple with in life if we're going to be the sheep that God wants us to be? In other words, in Ephesians 5, how am I going to understand what the will of the Lord is? So let me give you four questions. Here's the first question, probably the key question that we have to come to grips with. Number one, what will the center of my life be? What will the center of my life be? Um, There are a lot of options. And this is, I think, one of the reasons priorities become so frustrating. Am I going to center my life around my career? Am I going to center my life around my family, my my wife or my children? Am I going to center my life around making money? Is that going to be it? Or, Or perhaps my hobby or education or the next date or fun or entertainment or collecting things? What's going to be the center of my life? Now, I'm going to say it right up front. All those things that I've mentioned right there, there's nothing wrong with any of them. There's nothing wrong with making money. There's nothing wrong with a hobby or a playing a sport or collecting things or, or going places. There's nothing wrong with any of them. As a matter of fact, in Parkview Youth, which is next hour, next hour in the chapel, last week we talked about wills and trusts and things like that. There's nothing wrong with that. This week we actually talk about insurance. How can a Christian, what, what do we evaluate as a Christian? What kind of insurance? Is it okay? How do you walk in faith and have insurance? And we're going to even talk about uh, real estate, real estate for a family, real estate for investments. I mean, you look at Proverbs 31 and she excelled in real estate. So there's nothing wrong with any of those things. All I'm saying is they make a lousy center of your life. They're not strong enough. They're not solid enough. They're not secure enough. They're not eternal enough to be the center of your life. It's not that they're not important. It's not that they're wrong. It's not that they're bad. They just make a lousy center of your life. We've got to have something that's unchanging, something that's unshakable, unmovable, eternal, secure. And if you don't have that, then your life will be blown from pillar to post. You're going to go from priority to priority. You're not going to know, should my kids do dance or should they go here? Should I do this? Should I do that? You're not going to have a clue how to put it all together. That's why the same psalmist who wrote the 23rd Psalm, David, also wrote Psalm 62. And he he put it this way. For a lot of people, a lot of people, the center of their life is getting money or getting enough money. That's the center of their life. So David realizes this. So the same psalmist who wrote Psalm 62, or, or 23 also wrote 62. And he said, look, if riches increase, if riches increase, he's not saying there's anything wrong with that. He's just saying, if they do increase, don't set your heart on them. 
In other words, there are some things that are fine and not bad, but they make a lousy center of your life. You can't take it with you. You could, you could lose it, etc. Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of covetousness. One's life doesn't consist, or, or the center of your life doesn't consist in the abundance of, of these kinds of things. So what then should be the center of my life? The Bible tells us very clearly, 2 Corinthians 5, the love of Christ controls us because we've concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all. That, here it is, here's the purpose clause, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for the sake, for their sake, died. And we experience Easter. That's the center of your life. You no longer, it's not about you. It's not, not about living for yourself, but it's about him who went to the cross and was raised from the dead. So I thought, okay, Lord, I've got to illustrate this. Give me a good illustration because I've tried to illustrate in a lot of different ways. Over the years, I've used a lot of different illustrations to il try and illustrate the center of your life. So I asked Debbie, I said, Debbie, what I'd like for you to find is a, is a picture of a piece of pie. So not just because typically what we do, we try and balance life and we think of life as a pie. And we see, okay, we've got this element of my life. Uh, so this is my family. This is my relationship to God and my min or maybe another one, my ministry. Here's another one that's my career. Here's another one that's earning money, etc. So we have all we have all these pieces of the pie. And so we're, we become so frustrated over how does it all fit together? And so I've used illustrations like, well, for you as a believer, Jesus is first, Jesus, family, career. And I thought, ah, that's not really right. And we've used the navigator wheel. Well, Jesus is at the center. Everything else comes off the center. That, do that doesn't really hit it either. And then I thought, oh, a better one. No, life is really like the pentathlon. It's, it's not Jesus family career, it's here are five different events, and you have to do well in all five. You have to do well with your relationship with Jesus. You have to do well with your, your career. You have to do well. So the pentathlon, well, that really doesn't work either. Life still gets all bent out of shape. So here's my final, maybe, maybe, or the next illustration, I think, back to the pie. Uh, what it is, is the center of your life, Jesus' relationship, and when I say Jesus' relationship, I mean the body of, body of Christ, your relationship with Jesus in the body, in the context of community, okay, is the center of the pie. It's the center. It, it, it's, it permeates every piece of the pie. It's Jesus is the compote of the pie. Jesus is the center, the compote of your family. It's the center of your career. It's the center of your hobbies. It's the center, if you have a, a ministry, it's, a, it's the center of everything about your life. If it's not, this is what will happen. And, and honestly, I mean, this is the way it was presented to me. 
originally when I first became a Christian. Like, Jeff, if you really want to be a good Christian, if you really want to be a solid Christian, you're going to give your more, more time to Jesus and to ministry and to the church. So I thought, oh, well, that's the solution to balancing life is just make that piece of pie bigger. And the bigger I can make it, the better. And then I struggle with other, back to the pie. Uh, and then I might struggle with other pieces. Well, that means I'll have to minimize, I can't spend as much time in sports, or I can't spend as much time in career, so I have to, have to squash those down a little bit so that the other piece gets bigger. That's not accurate at all. It's Jesus is the compote. Jesus is the center of everything. My ministry, therefore, isn't a piece of pie. I'm not, now, I'm not saying that you can't be involved in a particular ministry. I'm just saying your overall ministry is Jesus permeating every piece of the pie. It's permeating your career. It's permeating your family. It's permeating your entertainment or your extracurricular activities. It's all of your life is your, is your ministry. Now, let me just say, if you're in a community group, this would be a great topic to talk about. It would be a great thing to, to realize that your ministry, it, don't shove Jesus into a piece of pie. That's what I'm trying to say. Your relationship to God, your relationship to Jesus isn't a piece of pie. Just like last week I said, Jesus doesn't want to be your co-pilot. Jesus wants to be the pilot. Likewise, Jesus doesn't want to be a piece of your pie. He is the entire compote. And your influence as a believer, your ministry, is your entire pie. Does that make sense? Okay. Well, now that I've quit preaching and gone to meddling, I'll go on to the next point. No, in other words, in other words, what's essential is you're not, it's Ephesians 5. Your life isn't self-centered, it's God-centered. He's the compote, the center of your entire life. Not self-centered, it's God-centered. Secondly, what's going to be the character of my life? What kind of person are you going to be? It's not necessarily what do you do that's ultimately important. It's what, who you are that's ultimately important because you're not going to take your career into eternity, but you will take your character into eternity. That's why, like in Romans 8, for those whom he foreknew, he also, pre, be, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's the character of Jesus in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So God wants us to be like Jesus. So if God wants us to be like Jesus, uh, Jesus says, okay, in Psalm 23, yea, even though I walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death, if he's going to develop his character in you, that means you're going to have to go through the same things. If you're going to have his character, doesn't it make sense that Jesus will take you through the same things he went through? Doesn't that make sense? Did Jesus weep? Did Jesus suffer? Was Jesus lonely? 
You know, all of these things. Doesn't it make sense if we're to develop the very character of Jesus? He's going to take us through the very things he went through. So if, now, quick question. Are we supposed to be more loving? Yes or no? Yeah, we're supposed to love like Jesus, right? So does that mean, oh, you're supposed to love like Jesus. Therefore, he's going to only put you around loving people, right? Uh-uh. Doesn't work that way. It's almost if he wants to develop that character quality in you, he's going to put you around the very opposite. So um, if we're supposed to be more patient like Jesus, the Bible says, what worketh patience? Help me. Tribulation worketh patience. That's how he develops our character. So the question is, am I more interested in my own personal comfort or am I more interested in my character that I become like Christ? Thirdly, what's going to be the contribution of my life? And believe me, I'm not saying that career isn't important. It's, it's very important. Here it is. What's going to be the contribution of my life? In other words, Matthew chapter 25, God has given all of us different kinds of talents. We're all very, very different. I look at Parkview and I say, wow, we're so different. And God has blessed you all in so many different ways. We have tremendous expert finished carpenters here at Parkview. We have artists here. We have musicians here. We have researchers here. We have doctors here and nurses and teachers. We've got a whole plethora of talents that God has given to us. Now the question is, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of the very grace of God. Or we're all his workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We should walk in them so that we can serve others. Everybody here, I'll guarantee it. Everybody, anybody, you don't want to make a difference with your life. Anybody in here, raise your hand. I don't want to make a difference in my life. Everybody here, you want to make a difference in your life. You want to leave a mark, so to speak. You'd like to influence others. You, you want to make a difference in this world. Where do you think you got that desire that you want to make a difference in the world? I'll tell you where you got that desire. You got that desire from God. God made all of us to make a unique contribution to this world. You, you were uniquely formed to be this contribution in the world. Let's go back to the pie. Back to the pie. There we are. So, when I became a Christian, what I was told was, Jeff, if you really want to make a difference in the world, you, you've, you need to go into full-time Christian service. That was it. In other words, it, it didn't see Jesus as the compote of the pie. It was, you need to make Jesus a bigger piece of the pie. And when you make Jesus a bigger piece, that means you've got to chop off other areas. And so we, we struggle with that in life, and we start chopping, and we, start, and we look for, for significance. Why don't I feel like there's significance in my life? Why don't I feel like there's meaning in my life? So we start shuffling the pie. We start replacing this piece with another piece. Well, then I'll just switch this career for that career. I'll, I'll switch 
this wife for that wife, or this husband for that husband. Maybe that will give me more meaning and purpose in life. Or maybe I need to give up that, that hobby and devote all my time here. Or maybe I'll throw in a ministry piece. And I'm not saying ministry is wrong, believe me. But, but you see how we can get things so backwards and out of balance in life. When we understand who we are and how God has made us and the gifts God has given to us, and when we understand that Jesus wants to be the compote of every piece of the pie, then we understand, oh, that's how I make a difference in life. It's not reshuffling the deck. It's unleashing Jesus in every area of my life at home, at work, in ministry, uh, in my sport or, or, or extracurricular activity, whatever it might be. So the question is, am I giving or am I getting? That's the question. You make a living by getting, but you make a life by giving. So you need to ask, what is the center of my life? What is the character that's being developed in me as an individual? What's the contribution God wants to make? What are the unique skills and abilities that God has given to me? Let me unleash Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit through those unique gifts and abilities. Fourthly, what's going to be the communication of my life? What does God want to say to the world through you? God put you in the world to make a unique contribution, and he wants to say something to the world through your life. What is it? I love 1 Thess 1.8. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. I love this. So that we need not say anything. In other words, what's being said here is, you folks, Jesus alive in you, your faith story is so broad throughout all of Macedonia and Achaia that you're putting us preachers totally out of business. That's what he's saying. In other words, your life story is while you're going through life in your piece of pie, you don't need to go back there, but as you're going through life, what you're communicating as well to others, whether it be in your hobby, whether it be at work, whether it be in your family, wherever it might be, it's this is what Jesus is doing in my life. Or it could be, boy, I was praying about this and look what God did. That's your faith story. That's what Jesus is doing in your life. It's far greater. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the four spiritual laws. I love the four spiritual laws, but it's far greater than just that. It's this is what God's doing in my life, or it's this is what I'm struggling with. This is what this is what's breaking my heart, and this is what God is doing. That's your faith as a Macedonian Achaia that's going out everywhere so that preachers need not say anything. That's the communication of your life. What you can say to the world as a Christian with Jesus as the center, 
with Jesus' character as your character, with your contribution coming through the life of Christ could be far, far more impactful than what I could ever do by standing up here on a Sunday morning. You're the ones in the shop. You're the ones in the lab. You're living incarnationally in the school, in the classroom, in the dormitory, in your homes. Your communication is infinitely better than what I can do on a Sunday morning up here. Look, the advantage that you have over me as, as a minister of the gospel, you know, paid by you, you know, to be good, you're, you're good for nothing, so to speak. <laughs> the impact is far greater what you can have. So am I promoting myself or am I sharing Christ through the everyday warp and woof of life? So what's going to be the center of my life? What's going to be the character of my life? What's going to be the contribution of my life? What's going to be communicated through my life? That is what. Please put us preachers out of business. Please, we beg you, metaphorically speaking. Uh, Secondly, refreshment. How can I make it through? How can I make it through? Well, let me just, I'm going to give you an acrostic, just a few things to think about. I want you to slow down a little bit. It's Sunday, so slow down a little bit. The acrostic S, stop. would you stop the constant push for more? I mean, you're identifying a piece of the pie and you're convinced that if I can just make this piece of the pie a little bit bigger, everything's going to be great. Would you just stop the constant push for more? Better is a handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and striving after the wind. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. Slow down. The L means learn to say no. Learn to say no. I am not pleading for inactivity. I am not pleading for you to take it easy. Learn to say no. All all I'm saying is, please identify how God has made you and the gifts God has given to you and throw yourself into it. I'm not saying work less. I'm saying work smarter in the area that God has gifted you. It is a trap for a man to dedicate something rashly and only later then to consider his vows. So, Understand who you are, how God has created you. So don't promise without praying about it first. Don't decide on something without first deliberating. Don't swear without first surrendering. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. What's your life? You're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, will live and do this or that. So slow down. Oh, obey the fourth commandment. You know, you even use the word commandment and you think, oh, commandment, oh no. You know, listen, God doesn't put commandments in the Bible because he wants to make your life miserable. 
or he wants to limit your fun. He just knows how we're wired. He made us and he knows what's best for us. And I mean, when you look at the, when you think of commandments and you think of the 10 biggies, you think of the 10 commandments. I mean, number four is six days you're going to labor, do all your work. Seventh day is a Sabbath. It's a Sabbath. In other words, he's saying, slow it up a little bit. You know, it's interesting. The Hebrew word for Shabbat or seventh part actually comes from a Babylonian word, uh, Shabbatu, which means a day of pacification for the heart. In other words, back up. It's time to back up and understand who you, this is what, you know, this was great for a sabbatical. This, this was great for me just over the last year or two to analyze who am I? What are my gifts? What are my abilities? How, how am I going to charge into the next season of my life? And, and this is one of the reasons I'm so thrilled about the whole succession process. You know, I think this is how Doug is wired. Here are his strengths. Here are his gifts. You know, here are mine. Look how these two can work together so beautifully. You know, I can free him to lead. You know, I can be more freed. You know, I love to teach and things like that of free me to do the things that I'm really gifted at. I'll free him to do the things he's really gifted at. You'll never come to something like that until you slow down a little bit and be able to pray about it and process it and, and uh, understand what God wants to do. It's a time to recharge your emotions. Be still. Know that I'm God. It's time to refresh and refocus your spirit. It's time to reevaluate who you are, how God has made you and wired you. It's just not trusting God, just being in a hurry, struggling, sweating, and, and not being patient on God's timing. Uh, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It won't delay. Well, let's all stand up. We'll close with a word of prayer. And don't forget, next week we're going to be looking at the restoration part, God willing, uh, verse 3. Let me pray, and then we'll sing together. Lord, uh, you know that there are a lot of very tired and overloaded and overwhelmed people that really aren't living a very balanced life at all. And a lot of us, Lord, we admit to you are just stretched beyond capacity and everything within our culture screams at us to go for more and more and better and better and faster and faster and bigger and bigger and it leads to an insane life so today lord uh, we just as believers want to be countercultural in the way we approach life so god we need to ask you to bring some sanity back into our lives that that we could certainly begin by making you the center of it all. Not self, but you, the center. And that our character, Lord, we rejoice in the fact that we've been called by you to become like you. And that our contribution in life isn't just merely getting and accumulating, but giving. And ultimately, we want you to be, be the subject of our communication. Give you all the honor and the glory and the praise. So, Lord, we need you. Um, thank you for bringing us all here today. And, um, Lord, thank you for speaking to us through this incredible psalm. And uh, pray that through your Holy Spirit, you would allow us to make the changes that are necessary 
And uh, Lord, if there's anybody here who is struggling whether or not Jesus should be the center of their life, oh Lord, please lead them to people to talk to today before they leave. Whether it be somebody on staff, whether it be the person that brought them, whether it be people out in the lobby, whether it be people at the Connect booth, please Lord, don't let them leave without getting that part settled in their heart who is the center of their lives. So God, we need you. We need you to be the center. We need you to develop your character in our lives. We need you uh, to lead us to be, to contribute in the right way with the gifts that you've given us, the skills and the ministries that you've called us to in our families and beyond. Help us, Lord, to keep you as the center of our communication. We love you. We thank you. We desperately need you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. Parkview's mission is to love God, love others, and serve the world. If you live in the Iowa City area, we invite you to join us in person for services every weekend. You can get service times and directions, download messages, and get news and information about Parkview Church by visiting www.parkviewchurch.org. You can also contact us by phone at 319-354-5580 or write to us at Parkview Church, 15 Foster Road, Iowa City, Iowa, 52245.